Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Dr. Zach Bush. He is one of the few triple board certified physicians in America with expertise in internal medicine, endocrinology and metabolism, and hospice palliative care. The breakthrough science that Dr. Bush and his colleagues have delivered offer profound new insights into human health and longevity. Dr. Bush, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. I heard you speak at a conference a few weeks ago, and um, I I just I love the message that you're trying to get out there. And and you know, um, you've got so much science backing up everything that you're saying. I think it's just amazing what you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It wouldn't happen without many of you out there getting the word out. So thank you for making this happen. Oh, thank you. So, um, you know, we're going to talk a lot about about what you know, the message you're trying to get out there, but what got you headed in this direction? I mean, you have such a, a broad background um, and, and, and then w- what you're doing is so different, <laughs> or maybe to you it makes sense, but can you just tell us how you got to the point where you are now? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense to my, me either in some ways. It is a very nonlinear path, of course, and I think life is as unpredictable as it needs to be to get us to where we need to be. And so my my story is kind of common in that way, and that it's uh, been a series of events to get me to do the science that we're doing now. Uh, historically, I was trained, as you, you mentioned there, in internal medicine, and was doing hospital-based care in that environment. You know, everything from the bone marrow transplant unit for cancers to the cardiac uh, floors to the liver uh, disease and everything else. So just seeing a lot of chronic end-stage disease in hospital systems. And uh, that increased my interest in endocrinology, thinking that I would like to get towards, the, you know, something more along normal human biology rather than just doing drug management of chronic disease. And so that was the history of kind of my journey in the hospital systems and all of that. Subsequently, the uh, effort has been uh, to kind of find the root cause of disease and uh, I was going down the avenue of cancer research at the time and developing chemotherapies uh, that were from nutrition sources. I was doing vitamin A compounds uh, that could help kill cancers and so that was my journey towards nutrition even though I didn't realize it at the time. Um, but after a few years of studying vitamin A compounds, I realized that they, this was a naturally occurring compound from carrots and other uh, fruits and vegetables and started getting into uh, nutrition as kind of an angle. And around that same time, in the mid-2000s, we were seeing uh, a lot of reports coming out that we could reverse diabetes and cancer and other diseases through radical nutritional changes. And so all of that inspired me to uh, start a nutrition clinic in 2010. Uh, I had to leave the university to do that. I had tried to start that in the universities, but I had run into some bureaucratic roadblocks to kind of creating an outside-the-box program like that. So I started my own clinic in 2010 in rural Virginia. I really went to the poorest county in Virginia to see if we could find a way to impact uh, the most underserved environment with a nutritional program to help them reverse the extreme burden of chronic disease we were seeing in, in the impoverished areas, a lot of obesity, a lot of diabetes, a lot of cancers, a lot of end-stage kidney disease and the like. And so we put together a very aggressive nutritional program that was you know, a plant-based program for reducing inflammation and getting nutrients into the body of these people that had really been you know, living in a food desert. Along that journey, found that a lot of them were not responding uh, to their dietary changes as the textbooks would have us believe they should. There was a a number of them that would go ahead and completely reverse their trajectory. They'd suddenly improve their diabetes, their weight loss would be almost instantaneous, cancers would go into remission, all kinds of miracles would happen. But then there was a huge portion of the population that either did not improve or, most concerningly, seemed to get worse on health food. 
And that, that, that group that got worse on eating some of the healthiest foods on the planet was intriguing to me. And that started to lead us down the avenue of you know, kind of looking into the food itself. Was there something flawed in the food? And ultimately, that, that did turn out to be the case. It turned out that if you look at the nutrients in kale or tomatoes or any of the great fruits and vegetables we have on the table these days are, have a fraction of the nutrients, a fraction of the medicinal quality that we would expect them to have uh, in decades past. And so that led us down the avenue of trying to understand soil for the first time. I had never looked at soil science before. And I was reading through an 80-page white paper on soil science and came upon a molecule that looked a lot like the chemotherapy I used to make. And that uh, brought a whole new kind of blinders off of maybe the medicine we're missing is not in the plants, but the medicine should be in the soil. And that ended up being the incredible shift in my, my course towards understanding soil, its relationship to the microbiome, which is the bacteria and the fungi and all the bugs that live there to create the nutrients in our food, and ultimately how they transfer those nutrients into the plants that would make the medicines that would help us reverse the chronic disease burden that we have today. So today I find myself you know, running a biotech company. We do a lot of work with the microbiome. We do research around uh, what's happened to the chemical farming industry, how it's destroyed the microbiome, not just in our soil, but also in our gut and left us really uh, devoid of life on a lot of levels. And with that, uh, we have a lot of diseases that spring forth. And by getting this uh, you know, nutrient environment corrected and start to support the microbiome and the gut and the soil, we see extraordinary results. And so that's a long and winding trail to today for me. You know, I, I actually, I love, I loved hearing that. Um, you know, the, I think nutrition is very important, but it doesn't get talked about a lot. I mean, it's sort of, it's, it's in, in books and, and shows like mine, but if you go to your doctor, they're not going to talk to you about how important this is. So I think it's, it's very valuable that you're sharing all this information because, um, you know, listening to some of your talks, I, I just think what you're sharing is um it, it, it's it's almost new. I mean, in a way, it, it's not because we we should all know this, but it seems like it's just very new knowledge for us to to realize what we're doing to our planet. Yeah, I think it's you know you would think that food being something that we all consume every day and it's necessary for life. You'd think as scientists we would have wrapped our minds around and wrapped our research into food so in such detail, and yet it's probably the least studied uh, environment uh, that we deal with. You know, we know cigarettes and cancer and all that way better than we know the food we eat. And importantly, we really have lost track as physicians as to what are the chemicals that are going into our food chain. And so it was a huge, you know, here I was studying nutrition, I was teaching nutrition. I had no idea what molecules go into Roundup, for example, which is the most common weed killer that we spray onto our foods. Roundup is the reason we genetically modified our plants. And so Monsanto created the, the GMO, genetically modified organisms of corn, soybeans, uh, you know, sugar beets, etc. And in doing so, uh, they started to allow farmers to spray our food directly with this chemical uh, glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup. And that journey uh, into that kind of aha exploration of, oh my gosh, when did we as human beings outsource our food production to chemical companies that heretofore were making plastic and chemical warfare uh, you know, chemical compounds to destroy the jungles in Vietnam, like the Agent Orange compounds and that sort of thing. So uh, it's a, a strange turn of you know, political and business events that led to the fact that the vast majority of our food created in this country is being produced by chemical companies. Well, you know, we are told that um, Roundup and GMO foods are safe for us. Are you finding the opposite with your research? Our research screams the opposite. There is nothing safe about the chemicals that we spray on that genetically modified food. And so uh, there's a great debate still raging over whether the gene modification of those plants is safe for human 
systems, and that has not been proven to be safe yet. There's an assumption of safety there, but no proof. And so that's a concern in and of itself. But what we've really shown in many labs around the world have shown without question. Now, of course, the World Health Organization has uh, come out in the last couple of years to say that glyphosate is a probable carcinogen. Uh, I would say that there's no probable about it. It's absolutely a carcinogen. Even the data coming right out of Monsanto has proved that it causes cancer in every animal you put this in. Um, and so uh, it's you know, animal cancers, it's human cancers. We've got you know, a cancer epidemic on our hands that started as soon as we started putting this directly into our food. Uh, we have, you know, every chronic disease epidemic that's happening in parallel over the last 30 years. It's Parkinson's in males, Alzheimer's in women, attention deficit and autism in children, asthma, allergies. Uh, you know, it goes on and on, and that's just actually the A's so far. You know, you can go through the whole alphabet of chronic diseases that are currently happening right now, and it's all going to tie back to the advent of chemical farming. And so uh, I don't think there's any question in the, the public health data at this point that we have uh, fundamentally changed the risk of chronic disease uh, by screwing with, with the microbiome through the use of this glyphosate. Uh, the glyphosate was actually patented as an antibiotic, antiparasite, antifungal. It kills all the living organisms in the soil, and that, of course, leads to the sterility of the soil, which means you're not going to get nutrient delivery which means you're going to have a much narrower trajectory of, of nutrition delivery to the food you eat. Furthermore, you're going to have a blockage of the production of amino acids, so glyphosate by even Monsanto's reporting in their patents show that, that glyphosate blocks the ability of plants, bacteria, and fungi in the soil to make the uh, essential amino acids that are called aromatic amino acids. These include things like tryptophan, tyrosine, phenylalanine. The first two of those are the precursors to the neurotransmitters in our brain. And so uh, you think of uh, things like serotonin and dopamine. Those are made from these uh, aromatic amino acids that should be coming from our food. But we've sprayed all of our food and soil with a chemical that blocks the ability of those vital building blocks for not just neurotransmitters, but hundreds of thousands of proteins in our body. I can now no longer be made by our plant system. And the reason we call them essential amino acids is because our human body doesn't even have that amino, that enzyme pathway. And so we can't produce them. We're dependent upon our diet. We're dependent upon our environment to produce those for us. So here we have gone and sprayed our soils with a chemical that kills bacteria, fungi, wipes out the, the micronutrients, and then makes the void the building blocks for life, the building blocks for normal brains, the building blocks for proteins uh, and for, in our uh, food chain. So it's, it's an extraordinary mistake and an extraordinary you know, kind of cover-up that's happened uh, in, in the chemical companies that keep screaming, you know, this is safe, this is safe, and yet we look at the public health data and it's so clear that every country that we move chemical farming into within five years is manifesting diabetes, obesity, uh, metabolic collapse, and within 10 years, you see the, the collapse of the, the microbiome to the point where people are getting an increased rate of cancer and, and the rest. So uh, we really have a, a global problem now. The vast majority of glyphosate is made in, in China now. It came off patent in 2007. And so every, every chemical company in the United States is making it. It's no longer a Monsanto issue. Uh, all the companies worldwide are making this chemical. We're currently dumping around $4 billion pounds into the environment per year, so it's, you know, arguably the most ubiquitous chemical on the planet. Uh, yeah, this is uh, it, it's pretty scary to to think about this, and um, you know, knowing now it's not a, a Monsanto issue, which means it's more available. I mean, it was very available before, but I think we're we're not realizing um, what we're doing. We need to bring more awareness to this issue. Um, we are going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Zach Bush. We'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As we move into our 40s and 50s, the elements of age catch up with us just a bit. Many of us have had children, which brings some of their own aging elements. 
health issues come and go, but they always seem to come more frequently. Our bodies start responding a little differently than they have in the past. Listen for the High Energy Hour with Donna Guinois. We'll help you understand the changes and how to keep your health in top shape as you age gracefully. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Today's woman faces a stressful world when it comes to staying healthy. We are bombarded by media messages with contradicting ideas about fitness and nutrition. We need to keep our diet, relationships, and stress in check. It's time to get the right message and have the most fun. Join hosts Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus for Healthy View Radio. It's health and happiness in one show every Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Zach Bush. Um, so, Dr. Bush, um, you, before the break, you mentioned that we were spray, spraying glyphosate on our soil and, and we're killing, um, you know, the bugs in the soil. But, you know, there can be some people that, that argue that we don't want those there. So, um, can you just explain to us um, why those are so important? The, the, the importance of the, the glyphosate. The soil, yeah, the healthy soil. Why, why you know, um, yeah. should should we be protecting um, what's in the soil yeah. right now? Yeah. So there's a few elements there in the soil that, uh, you know, merit great importance to us as human beings. One of them is certainly the biodiversity. And so uh, if you've heard of the microbiome, uh, you're, you're reading the, the literature these days. But uh, the microbiome has become the biggest story of this decade in the science world. Uh, the, the 2000 to 2010 was kind of the decade of the brain where we would learn more about the human brain than we ever had in human history. And... That uh, was a huge focus of kind of international research. I would say that 2010 and 2020 has become the decade of the microbiome. We found out that the brain and every other organ system in the body is intrinsically linked to the health of the microbiome. The microbiome is a description of the ecosystem of the microscopic organisms, and so bacteria, fungi, parasites, viruses, uh, this extraordinary spectrum of life and biology uh, that we see uh, coming out of uh, the the world of the invisible is really dictating human health uh, through many different mechanisms. One of those mechanisms is uh, the genome itself, and so the the genes that we produce in our body come from our DNA. Uh, Those genes are uh, dictating protein synthesis or the production of different proteins uh, that build a human body. And so the interesting thing about the genome of the human is that it's actually pretty limited. We only have 20,000 human genes, which is pretty ridiculous because a flea has 30,000 genes, so we're only two-thirds as complicated as a little flea uh, when it comes to the genes that we produce. This was a very extraordinarily challenging realization in the 1990s as we started to decode the human genome as to how is it possible that we build this complex human body with over 200,000 proteins all coordinated in 70 trillion cells 
how do we manage to do that from just 20,000 measly genes? And uh, that, that journey has taken us down the realization that our genes are, are modified or the behavior of the gene as to what protein it makes is modified constantly by the environment that we live in. And so each gene is now recognized to be able to make over 200 different proteins. Some of them can make thousands of proteins depending on the microscopic environment around that DNA strand that would build the protein. And so we have this blueprint for human bodies that we inherit from our parents. So with um, you know, half of our uh, genetic information from mom, half from dad, comes together to make these 46 chromosomes. And they, they go on to kind of determine what the hair color, what is the eye color, what, you know, what is the height going to be of the individual. Now, all of these things are determined by the genes, but then what's not determined by the genes and is more determined by the environmental effect on them is, you know, how much muscle mass is that individual going to have? What is the resting metabolism of that individual? What cancers is that individual predisposed to? What is the blood pressure of that individual? What is the propensity for autonomic dysfunction that would cause migraines or sexual dysfunction or sleep disorder or any number of more mild seeming disorders? is going to come from that effect of the microbiome programming the human genome. And so just an extraordinary relationship that we have to soil that's changing the bodies we build. And if we look at the children of today, we realize we are building children that are missing the components of life. They are really missing the opportunity to thrive. Uh, in the 1960s, before the advent of all this chemical farming, we had a chronic disease burden in the United States of 4%. And so 4% of the population from child to adult uh, to geriatrics had a chronic disease diagnosis. Today, with children born after 2000, there's a 46% prevalence of chronic disease by age of 18. And so we are birthing children that are no longer resilient and are you know, suffering chronic disease at extremely early ages. We see an explosion of lymphoma, leukemias, all kinds of different brain cancers. We have you know, all of this weird disease bursting out of our children because their bodies don't have the environmental input to build healthy human immune systems, healthy human uh, cellular communication, all these things. So the genome is extremely important. Second thing that comes out of the soil uh, that is not you know, talked about is the microbiome's communication network. And this is you know, a discovery of our lab in 2012. So we're only six years into this journey of really understanding this brand new area of communication. But communication down at the biochemistry level, way before you get to, to hormones and genetics, starts at the communication of electrons. Interestingly, the human body is much more electrical uh, process than it is molecular. And so at the fundamental fabric of our body, we communicate through the transfer of electrons just like you would through a computer circuit board. Uh, you can imagine a circuit board on a computer or a big transfer uh, center, you know, passing information and those digital uh, dots uh, to and fro. The same thing is happening in the human body to create communication lines and transfer of information from our gut to our bloodstream, from our bloodstream to the immune system, the immune system to the uh, organ systems, you know, across all of these complex systems that we have. Uh, we have this coordination of information through something called redox chemistry. And redox is a contraction of two words, reduction, which is the donation of an electron, and oxidation, which is the absorption of electron. So it's almost like dominoes where you have these little electrons that are uh, you know, infinitesimally small and infinitesimally short in their exchange process down at the millionth of a second. We, we transfer these electrons uh, to and fro. And so there's this kind of digital dominoes that will send an electron pulse through large distances is what transfers information. And the aha moment that we had in 2012 studying soil was, oh my gosh, that fundamental transfer of electrons, that fundamental system of information exchange and intelligence begins at the microbiome, not at the human system. And that, that aha moment was really profound because my research had been in mitochondria which is another you know, category of species that are non-human, 
look a lot like bacteria, but they live inside of our cells. And mitochondria are responsible for everything from fuel production to the lifespan of your cells to the uh, suicide of your cells in, in the case of damage or cancer. Uh, the, the mitochondria should kill the cell uh, through this apoptosis or programmed cell suicide. And so uh, they are extremely important, and the main way in which they communicate is also through redox molecules. And so the realization that bacteria and fungi from the soil and from our gut can actually talk directly to these critical modulators of our energy levels and our repair systems, uh, it was a really exciting moment of, wow, this is why, as we've turned our back on nature, as we've separated ourselves from nature by killing the microbiome, in the soils and in our foods and in our own guts, we've suddenly lost this communication network and we're no longer fueling the mitochondria with, with nutrients and, and we're no longer providing those mitochondria the information to respond correctly to the environment. Well, you know, this sounds pretty devastating that that this is going on and um, basically being ignored. I mean, we're still using um, pesticides and, and herbicides. I mean, in my community, two days ago, they sprayed for herbicides and, and you know, I was preparing for this show and I thought, geez, what are we doing? You know, we're, we're still stuck in, in this thought that we shouldn't have dandelions in our grass, you know, and we're, we're spraying, we're kids and and dogs play. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And we've got a social and political norm around chemical treatment of our, our cities, our parks, everything else. And where we see the highest levels of Roundup do happen to be on our playing fields, you know, the soccer fields, the football fields, uh, and the golf courses. You know, this is, these are the highest environments of, of Roundup and glyphosate that we'll see. And our bodies are absorbing that through the skin, through the air. We've dumped so much glyphosate in the planet right now that about 75% of the rainfall and 75% of the air we breathe in the United States is now, is now contaminated with Roundup. And so uh, all of the countries of the world are, are fast on our heels. Canada is certainly right in the same ballpark there. Um, you know, Mexico is coming on strong. Mexico is actually a dumping ground for a lot of our even more toxic uh, chemicals that don't get approved in the U.S. will end up in Mexico and Central America. Uh, Brazil is the number one consumer in South America and, uh, and is about to surpass the U.S. in, in glyphosate usage per acre. And so uh, we've got this heap there. And you think of Europe as being super clean, but it turns out that Europe has been uh, you know, spraying glyphosate on many different crops since the early 2000s. And so uh, it's being used in all areas of agriculture worldwide. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I think China is probably going to be hit the hardest in that uh, it's being dumped uh, alongside a lot of other toxins that are entering the body through the help of Roundup. So we've got just this whole globe that's, that's suffering and, and it's going to have an increasing amount of suffering as we separate ourselves from this environment. There's well, you know, whining here. Yeah. yeah. It, it, seem, it seems that, um, you know, you're saying 75% of the air is, has glyphosate in it. So even if we're eating organic and, and you know, our homes, uh, we're not using chemicals, we're still being exposed. I mean, we think, oh, do we have to go outside and, and then we're breathing this in. Um, and it, it just, it, it almost seems very scary to me that, that we're so exposed to something, even if we're choosing not to have it in our lives. Yeah, yeah, it has become so ubiquitous, we can't really escape it completely. And so, but the good news is, you know, there is silver lining here. And so, as consumers, we can change the industry, right? And so, we are very powerful to, to make change as we, we know the information, as we learn uh, these details of uh, first the presence of the chemicals and then understand a little bit about what the chemicals are doing to the microbiome and then to our immune systems and the loss of our own kind of support systems within our body, that journey has, you know, is very empowering to a consumer group that's willing to make a change. And so if we all start eating organic, uh, we're going to force the industry to change very quickly. And I believe that's already afoot. You know, we've got a, an organic industry moving in the United States that nobody could have predicted was going to be this robust, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and so we've got, you know, this multi-billion dollar pressure being put on the farming industry to produce more and more organic 
and other countries are responding faster than our own farmers, not because our farmers don't want to change, it's just that our government's got them locked in debt with the, with the chemical companies uh, dictating their behavior, and so they're, they're in a very uh, difficult uh, position to try to make these changes. But abroad, uh, there's a huge response. Uh, even Russia, which is an unexpected source for this, but Russia just announced in the last year that they're going to become the first completely organic food production company country in the world by 2020 or something like that. So they're really, uh, you know, seeing the opportunity to become a world leader in food production and food delivery of, of good, healthy, organic food. And, and that's a brilliant move by a government to see a global demand growing and, and move to, to fill that niche. Uh, a lot of good foresight for their own health of their country as well. So you know, here's you know, a public health and radically brilliant economic move being made by Russia. And you think, what what the heck is North America doing to, to allow, you know, the Eastern Bloc to make such a, a radical move and put us, you know, years behind uh, the, the, you know, kind of economic advantage that we need to have. So uh, you need to continue to be a part of that. If you're listening to this, you have an opportunity to become a part of this revolution by demanding more and more organic food in your life. And we've proven again and again that if you go strict organic in your household and you get glyphosate down to an absolute minimum that you can achieve, radical shifts in human health happen. And when I say radical, it's you know almost too good to be true over and over again. And the interesting thing is the speed at which the body recovers. When it gets real nutrients, from real food that was grown in real soil that had an intact microbiome, the speed at which nature helps us recover is really mind-boggling. I'll watch patients who've been you know, suffering poor health consequences for decades, getting sicker and sicker with every passing year, make a switch to a pure organic diet, and within two weeks they can see reversal of things that are being take, taken decades to accumulate. And so I'm always just shocked and amazed and, and excited by the speed at which we heal and the fact that these, these simple decisions that we make as families and as consumers can radically shift you know, the life expectancy, the quality of life that we have, the health of our children, etc. Oh, this is really encouraging. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Zach Bush, and we'll be back shortly. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you stopped to think seriously about hypnosis? Hypnosis can set you on your way to better health, can free you from anxiety, phobias, and so much more. Join host Inez Simpson for Hypnosis Everywhere, Inez Simpson and the Simpson Protocol. This show is for anyone from the experienced hypnotist practitioner to the merely curious. Inez Simpson offers tools and insights from the whole world of hypnosis with guests and open discussions. Hypnosis Everywhere, the Simpson Protocol, airs live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Zach Bush. So, uh, Dr. Bush, before the, the break, you know, we were talking about glyphosate. So what what damage um, is that doing? So if we consume that and that gets into our gut, what exactly is happening there? Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's hard to imagine what could possibly be going wrong that could be pushing all of this chronic disease at once all of these different organ systems, you know, all, how can this be happening from one single chemical? And, you know, the, the disease processes are broad, right? We've got autism that's gone from 1 in 5,000 children in, in the United States to 1 in 36. 1 in 5,000 in 1975 to today, 1 in 36. And so we've seen this logarithmic increase in, in uh, Alzheimer's in women as well over the same period of time, Parkinson's in men. Uh, you know, all these various cancers, uh, breast cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer. And and really, interestingly, you know, to prove out the glyphosate role in this, we can show that these uh, these diseases have centered around uh, the highest areas of glyphosate exposure, so the whole Mississippi River Delta and, and the whole collection of the Mississippi River in the United States is the watershed uh, that will... Uh, pick up, you know, some 85% of the glyphosate, which is a water-soluble toxin, uh, from the United States and put it into one single water system. And so the Mississippi, interestingly, has become the focus of cancer in this country. Uh, in the 1990s even, as, as short back as 25 years ago, the vast majority of cancer deaths or the highest rates of cancer were always in, in the northwest and the northeast in the United States. And that had been a pattern stable for, you know, 100 years. And suddenly, over just a 15-year period, with the advent of GMO crops and the widespread spraying of glyphosate all over the Midwest, collecting in there, suddenly the highest rates of cancer in the entire developed world is the last 90 miles of the Mississippi River between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. We call it Cancer Alley. Many of the people that live in those environments, especially those around on the farms, are on their third or fifth cancers. Uh, on their bodies, and so we just see this decimation of, of human health along that river. Uh, also, obviously, the highest rates of obesity, diabetes, and uh, the other common chronic diseases there. So, um, so we've got this, you know, disaster. And so, you know, when, again, when we set out to understand the nutrition and, and the role of the microbiome in 2010, we found these little, or 2012, we found little molecules there. Uh, that would be the redox molecules of communication for the microbiome. We set out to study that in cancer and other diseases and didn't expect to see the radical changes in all of our patients when we put those into play. And so we, we use a, a supplement now from fossil soils that are rich in, in original microbiome information and uh, get this extraordinary explosion of health out of our patient population. And it's across all ages, and it's interestingly across all disorders uh, that we see the same kinds of shift happening. Those fundamental shifts have to do with the immune system, and the immune system is is located along the intestinal lining. And so some 80% of our antibody production uh, from our immune system happens in the system that we call the GALT, the gastrointestinal-associated lymphatic tissue. The G-A-L-T, the GALT there, is where we produce these antibodies to protect us from the outside world. And the reason it lines up along the gut is because that's our biggest exposure to the outside world. And so we actually have two tennis courts in the surface area of gut lining that runs from our sinuses all the way down to our rectum. And so the sinuses where you breathe are the beginning of your exposure to your environment. You've got you know, the back of your throat, you've got your esophagus, you've got the stomach, you've got small intestine, you've got large intestine. This is made of enormous billions and billions of, of barrier cells that are called epithelial cells that keep the outside world out and keep the inside of your body protected. That carpet layer of epithelial cells is held together by little proteins that look a lot like Velcro. They're just little connectors that keep one cell tightly to the other to create this coherent, 
membrane or carpet of protection, and that membrane is extremely thin. And so it turns out that it's only one cell layer thick. It's half the width of the human hair is this barrier system that keeps your body separated from the outside world. And the devastating thing that we've found in all of our science in our laboratories is that the number one target that glyphosate hits is the Velcro of your gut lining. And not just of the gut lining, the same Velcro holds together all of your blood vessels and your blood-brain barrier and your kidney tubules that should be doing the detoxification of your body. All of those are held together by the same Velcro. And glyphosate has this immediate damage to that whole system. And so an extraordinary realization of, wow, glyphosate is really killing the fabric of our bodies. It's destroying our cell identity, our self-identity at the molecular level by eroding these boundaries between the outside world and our immune system. The result of that boundary eliminating is that our body now has to fight everything that we eat, breathe, and eat. We're constantly in a food fight. Everything we eat, whether it's health food or not, can stimulate a huge immune response because stuff is getting into our immune system that should have been kept out. That could be things like chemicals in our food like we've been talking about, but it could also be naturally occurring compounds like fiber. The insoluble fibers of our diet are really important anti-cancer compounds for reducing colon cancer risk and the like. But if there's a leaky gut, if that membrane has been destroyed, the Velcro is now leaking, then we absorb those those big fibers and other proteins that should have been kept out, and we can have, have a huge immune response. And so through this constant you know, attack on the immune system or the immune system attack on the outside world, we develop chronic inflammation. If you are continuously under an acute inflammatory injury response, you start to run out of the reservoir of antioxidants and other coping mechanisms and ultimately will build this chronic inflammatory state where the immune system itself is adding to the fire here. Every time it reacts, it adds more fire and the whole system is just always inflamed. And this is what we experience in, in the you know, current modern world. We have chronic fatigue, chronic pain syndromes, insomnia, poor sex drive. We have you know, depression, we have anxiety disorders, we have uh, the whole sensory processing stuff with attention deficit and autism. We have the whole memory processing issues with the dementia climbing in, in the whole population. A really devastating reality that as you erode these boundaries with Roundup and glyphosate and you start to leak all over the place, neither your immune system of the gut nor your brain from through the blood brain barrier nor your kidney tubules and on the whole vascular tree aren't protected anymore. Everything is in this constant chaotic damage control state. And so that, I believe, is exactly the mechanism by which we've seen the developed world explode with chronic disease with the exposure to one chemical. It's the loss of the tight junctions, which is the Velcro. Without those tight junction Velcro proteins intact, we are in a constant war with our environment. You know that um, when I when I first heard you talk, um, you 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 pointed out a, a geographic pattern um, with illnesses and and where glyphosate was being sprayed. And we were at a Lyme conference, and I found this really interesting. You know that that you were um, also saying that that even Lyme isn't the epidemic. That this is the epidemic. That we are weakening our bodies so much that we're just leaving room for the illness to come. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think that, you know, we've come to, as integrative medicine doctors or even allopathic medicine doctors, we've seen this explosion of, of chronic Lyme disease uh, throughout the, the many areas of the United States. But those areas tend to track with our agricultural environment. And so the, the heavier the agricultural environments, the more we're going to see these invasive infections. Again, Roundup is this you know, selective antibiotic, and so you've got this antibiotic that's being poured everywhere, destroying the microbiome in the soil, destroying it in our gut. And the result is we're going to end up with you know, over-representation of some species that are, can grow weed-like. That'd be things like candida, which is a yeast uh, that can overgrow in these environments. We see overgrowth of uh, Clebsiella and Clostridium, which are a couple of uh, bacteria that are common. You've probably heard of C. diff which is a common, common uh, hospital-acquired infection now causing severe diarrhea. Um, the, you know, just decimating the microbiome leads to this weed-like overgrowth. 
the issue, though, is that we start to blame the weeds for the problem. So we say, oh, well, we have, have you know, C. diff must be the problem, or clostridium is the problem, or you know, your yeast, your candida is the problem. So you just need antifungals, you need more antibiotics, you need all this stuff, when in fact the problem is not you know, too much bacteria or too much yeast, it's not enough of everything else. And so as physicians, we've been very slow to realize that what we're seeing is, is a perturbation of the terrain. It's a destruction of the terrain rather than uh, some sort of invasive bacterial problem. Uh, the bacteria and the fungi, the yeast, the, the viruses, they're all actually here for our own survival. If they were against us, we would be dead. One of the things I lecture widely on is just the, the, the extreme volume of biologic life around us. We are so outnumbered by the microbiome that if, if it was truly against us, if, if the viruses were attacking us and we were always at risk of dying from viruses, bacteria, fungi, we, we, we would never survive a second. There's far too much uh, of this life around us. We are a smidgen of the bi biologic life on Earth. And so that, that reality is, you know, this whole nature is there to support us. And if we would just start living in concert with it again, if we would cooperatively, cooperatively live with our nature and allow it to provide the nutrients through the food chain that it's developed over millions of years of biodiversification of our foods, and then we've gotten to co-create in that environment, and we've gotten to create you know, new vegetable and, and fruit strains through hybridization and, and growth of our gardens and and we have this co-creative opportunity to re-engage the garden, and that's ultimately your solution. So as we kind of wrap up the discussion on the problems at hand with chemical farming, the exciting solutions are right here in front of us, is that you know, if we as consumers demand organic food, and even more so, if we as consumers start to grow our own food again, we're going to radically change the feasibility of chemical farming. And the chemical farmers are going to go out of business, the chemical companies will lose their market share as we start reclaiming our own food production effort. We don't have to go back to paleo times to see the power of growing our own food. At the end of World War II, the United States was growing 45% of its food in its backyard victory gardens. 45% of our food chain grown in our backyards. Today we grow less than one thousandth of one percent. And so it's just, you know, we, we just do not grow food anymore as, uh, as kind of a, a quote-unquote, you know, modern society. And so we need to redefine what modern looks like. We need to redefine what technology looks like. We need to redefine what wealth looks like. And wealth should really be, you know, a home that's thriving with organic plants living inside. You know, in our windows, we can grow tomatoes, we can grow basil, we can grow mint, we can grow food in our own homes, even if we don't have a backyard. If we have a yard, then my goodness, we should be re-engaging that environment with the opportunity to grow our own food again. And so that's kind of you know, the excitement that I have is that as the consumer gets this information out there, we can fundamentally turn back the clock to the, the 1940s to 60s where we were actually a very healthy people. We had very low levels of chronic disease. If we don't do that, we're going to collapse as a nation. As a whole society of humans, we're collapsing. We are becoming infertile so quickly. One in three males in the United States is now infertile. One in four women is infertile. And so we are losing the ability to procreate as human beings, which is an extraordinary moment. We think of ourselves as a quote-unquote overpopulated Earth. Uh, that I really do not believe is true. I believe we're, we're you know, really reaching a tipping point where we're going to have a collapse of human life on this planet if we don't radically change the way we interact with that nature and support the microbiome in our bodies, support the microbiome in the gardens we grow our food and, and beyond. Uh, you know, that I, I definitely agree, and I, I just love the way that you're saying this. I mean, it, it sounds very dramatic but I, I think you know those of us that are are looking at it from from this viewpoint where you and I are um, definitely can see that we see that there is something wrong that we're not heading in the right direction and you know it, it's not just the physical illnesses but you know people feel very lost and they feel lonely and depressed and um, we need to make a change so that that you know as you said um, just changing what what success is and 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 what wealth is. Um, I, I don't think wealth is an abundance of money. I think it, like you said, it is a home where people are healthy and happy. Absolutely, absolutely. 
And so, you know, I think you know, there's so much excitement that I have to continue to share with your, your group over time. You know, I think, you know, the, what I'm sharing now is that, you know, getting back into nature is your solution. And so if you are facing chronic disease or you see uh, these chronic conditions in your children, eczema, asthma, you know, food sensitivities, environmental allergies, you know, all of these things, the, the solutions are at hand. Uh, you know, one resource is a, a documentary that's just being released right now. It's called Secret Ingredients. Uh, I think you can find it online at secretingredientsmovie.com. And uh, that, that documentary documents the journey of three families that were suffering all kinds of different chronic disease conditions in the children and adults. And they were healthy families. These are, you know, middle American families that were in the you know, upper middle class, uh, had access to great food, were eating in the homes. They weren't, you know, eating McDonald's. They weren't just fast food families at all. They were really in the top, you know, 5% of health consumers as far as our, our current definition of nutrition. And yet they were suffering, suffering, suffering. And when they went on this journey to eliminate all genetically modified foods from their homes, the, the, you just can't believe the speed at which they recovered. And uh, the diseases which just disappeared at hand. So I really encourage you to watch that for more encouragement over the secret ingredients. Uh, the producer of that one was um, uh, really a, a big mover and shaker in the world of the anti-GMO movement. So uh, Jeffrey oh. Smith is his name. So lots oh, of good, good stuff out there uh, to, to further encourage you and your family that the solutions are at hand. And we as consumers have the power to change this industry. Oh, thank you. Now, um, I'd love to talk to you for hours, but unfortunately, I only get an hour a week. So we are going to have to close up this show. But I, I, you know, I want to encourage people to, um, we didn't even get to the the, some of the information you have and the the product that you have. So is there a place where people can find out more information about you and and the work that you're doing? Absolutely. So you can go to ZachBushMD.com for more education. Uh, you can also just YouTube uh, search me, Zach Bush, Z-A-C-H-B-U-S-H, uh, and you can find a lot of my lectures online there. Um, our, the product line that we make uh, through our, our company that is extracting this communication network from soil, uh, that is our website, www.restore, the number four, life.com restoreforlife.com will find you that uh, but you can also find links to the Zach Bush MD uh, website as well if you can just remember that one so uh, lots of opportunity for you to continue that educational experience we've got you know hundreds of hours of content uh, podcasts and uh, recorded lectures as well so that you know, should keep you satiated Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today and for doing the work that you're doing. I, I love that this is happening and that you're able to share this with, with me and my listeners. Wonderful. I really appreciate you having me on and the best of health to all of you. Uh, the, the effort to re-engage your nature is so fun on so many levels. You're going to enjoy it way beyond your food, getting out into nature and, and interacting with the plant and animal life. This is a, a joy on many levels. So. Uh, good, good travels to you and, and good adventures ahead oh perfect thank you so much and I want to thank everybody for listening and just be sure to make today a great day thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of falling through the cracks feel alive and thrive please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon eastern time and 9 a.m. pacific time on the voice America health and wellness channel We'll talk more next week.